0: Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are, whenever you are. I know that you have choices when it comes to listening to podcasts. I'm really excited that you've joined me here today. I have another great guest lined up for you, Dr. Chris Winter. He is a sleep expert. He's going to come on here today and talk about all things sleep, which, as you know, because I talk about it regularly, I'm not the best sleeper on the planet, or maybe I am, so we're going to get some clarity on what is a good night's sleep, how many hours are optimal, and if I'm not a good sleeper, what are some of the things that you and I can do to optimize that he i found as i find most of my guests on social media i found dr chris winter on um instagram he has a fantastic feed he's dr chris Winter, dr on instagram if you'd like to check him out but he is a sleep specialist he's a neurologist he's got a bunch of different books um i just got one of them the sleep solution so i've just started diving into that apologies doctor when you come on i should have probably read it beforehand but Doing a weekly podcast and getting books from every single guest, sometimes I get backed up on my read. As you can see, I'm like stacked up with books behind me here. So um, anyhow, uh, he's, he's uh, got a bevy of information and knowledge that he's going to share with us today. I'm going to take him through the hot seat initially and just sort of get to know him a bit. And then he's going to dive in and give us some, some uh, sort of some takeaways on what we can do to improve our sleep and just generally have a nice conversation about that. So thanks for joining me. I'm going to go ahead and bring him in in a second. And there you are, Doc. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. And yourself? Dude, I'm just groovy. As I said it earlier, um, I got a good workout in this morning. I actually had more than four hours of sleep last night. And so I'm ready to rock and roll today.
1: Sounds great, man.
0: So Success already. Yeah, I know. It's better than 94% of my other days prior to this. So that's great. All right. So let's talk about sleep. Um, it's one of the most crucial things we spend on average, eight hours of sleep every day. I, I suspect most people, I don't know if that's a real number or not, but you know, the, since I've been a little kid, I've, t- I've told by my parents, do you, do you need eight hours of sleep, man? First of all, is that even true? Do you actually need eight hours of sleep?
1: Depends on the who the you is, meaning that eight is maybe the middle of the bell curve distribution. So it's kind of like you need 2,200 calories a day or I'm making that up. It, it's yeah, well, who are you? Are you a middle linebacker for the you know, Detroit Lions? Are you a 92 year old retired accountant who sits around watching hot bench all day? Like, I mean, it really, <laughs> so we, we, we don't talk about what it means for everybody to eat. Y'all got to eat 2,300 calories or you're going to have dementia or heart disease. Well, no, it's much more individualized than that. So the eight is maybe an average for the average young adult. But if anybody looks up National Sleep Foundation, if you look up National Sleep Foundation, sleep amount by age, you can see that for every age group, starting from the time you're born till you're getting discounts at movies, there's a big range of what we would consider to be normal. So you can screw somebody up very quickly by telling them you need to get eight hours of sleep at every night or you're going to die a horrible death, when in fact they're genetically only programmed to get six and a half. They're going to feel like a failure every time they, they go to bed at night because they're not hitting this magic eight number. So if you're, if you're like, look, I don't know what I need, eight's a fine place to start as you start to explore your own individual sleep need. But no, not everybody needs eight hours of sleep at night.
0: So I, I would venture to guess if I, if I took data, and I've never done any data on this, I sleep about four to five hours a night. That's typically, I, I wake up pretty early. I'm usually up around five o'clock in the morning. I'm usually in bed. Um, I try to get in bed by 10, but it takes me a bit to get to sleep. If I don't know what I don't know, meaning I don't know what's ideal for me, this is just my standard my whole life, and I've never been a good sleeper, and I'm not going to go into all the reasons why not, because there were some things that happened when I was a kid that we'll talk about in a different show. Um, But if I don't know what I don't know, what are things that I should be looking for to optimize what my ideal sleep figure or my sleep count looks like?
1: Sure. I mean, to me, the biggest thing is, are you looking for sleep at other times during the day? So if I put you in the most boring two-hour lecture, are you somebody who falls asleep? Do you nod off when you watch TV at night? There's a researcher up up north, Tom Roth, who's fantastic. He's up in Detroit, who kind of looked all his his one of his biggest questions as a sleep researcher was what is the minimum amount of sleep that people need, not what you can get by with. Mm. I mean, you can talk to a bunch of trauma surgeons, they'll tell you they can get three hours of sleep on several consecutive nights and still, you know, make their way through their days and nights taking people's spleens out. But what people truly need it. And he said the number of people who are getting less than five hours of sleep rounded to a whole number is zero, meaning that, Ask me how many people come to my clinic telling me they sleep two, three, four hours of sleep every night, it's countless. The number of people that if we actually put them in a monitored situation for the next 30 days, would actually average four hours of sleep every night, it's probably zero. Because one of the sayings we have in our clinic is sleep perception and sleep, sleep reality are two different things. So for maybe you do only average four hours of sleep per night, but nodding off at 10 o'clock watching a TV show, that counts. Taking a nap on the weekend or sleeping in until noon on Saturday, that counts. But if somebody says, no, 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 look, I go to bed at 11 o'clock. You can ask my wife, she's with me, and I'm up at 4 o'clock. That's five hours. I don't sleep any between 4 a.m. when I wake up and 11 o'clock when I go to bed. Sure, but the question to ask is, how are you functioning during the day? Oh, I can barely keep my eyes awake. I have to walk around. To read my students papers because if i sit down and read them i fall asleep if somebody's saying to me i get five hours of sleep a night and have no degree whatsoever of excessive sleepiness you're probably doing okay like, yeah i, you know, I, 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 I honestly three, i eat three crackers a day okay that's crazy but okay when somebody offers you a sandwich what happens eh, i generally don't want it really oh, yeah. okay well it sounds like you're not hungry because the one thing that doesn't exist in nature is an inability to sleep. Hmm. And so the ti- I'm looking at the title of the podcast here, Why You're Not Sleeping, ain't wrong. Nobody listening to this is not sleeping. I mean, you may not be sleeping now listening to this podcast, but this idea that I've got to do something medically because, Doc, I can't sleep, doesn't exist in nature. So,
0: So how would you reframe that title?
1: I would say Why You're Not Satisfied With Your Sleep you called mm, you called yourself I like I think, already twice a bad sleeper okay what does that mean cuz you don't feel like bad you feel sleeper enough, by you don't standards sleep quickly, I, I think bad you feel sli- tired during the day like that that's an interesting question yeah
0: that that's funny that you say that because as the words came out of my mouth i'm thinking like it's a standard that i have but it may not be doctor standards or someone else's so bad sleep for me is just comparative compared to the three or than the standard average right. that i always read and about that's like our you problem. can pull up web that's yeah, a you could pull up WebMD. And a,
1: and a doctor problem because we're putting this message out there to everyone. Better get eight hours of sleep if mm-hmm. you're a terrible sleeper. And it's wrong. And, it, and, it, and, it, and the way you think about your sleep is incredibly impactful, not only on the sleep, but the way you function and move through your life.
0: Sure. So, so, are you meaning that by the, the, the words that we tell ourselves or the narrative we're talking about? Mm-hmm. That's Absolutely. a really good point. Fact,
1: when you look at research, the way we believe we sleep impacts our day more than the way we actually sleep. So, if you hmm. think, oh, that was a terrible night. Oh, God, last night was rough. I got so worked up about mm-hmm. the situation on the new Game of Thrones show. I just couldn't sleep. I had a <laughs> bad night. It, when you wake up on Monday feeling that way, you will have a bad Monday.
0: Hmm.
1: It's that's that's,
0: that's really funny. You said that I was just listening in the gym this morning to subliminal messaging and sort of how we talk to ourselves and how, how impactful that is on, you know, how we live our lives. I, so I never really thought about it as it pertains to what we say about our sleep. That's yeah. very interesting. And, and to answer your, I want to go back to that. Um, I, I don't, I've never really slept a lot, but I'm high energy, high octane all day long. And, and I don't really eat I don't really need that much sleep. Like, I, It's not like I wake up tired. I'm not sleepy throughout the day. So my four hours, five hours might just be my optimal number for me.
1: Absolutely. And if you oh, look we at lost your mom, if we, if we had some time, we could talk about mom and dad because that's often a genetic thing that is passed on. Hair color, eye color, stature. You know, you got your dad's, you know, cleft chin, but also sleep amount and sleep need is often highly genetic as well too. So yeah, I mean, if you're like, Blood pressure's good. Weight's great. I've got good energy. Put me in the most wicked boring, you know, Catholic mass on Sunday. I will be wide awake for the whole thing. And everybody around you who's friends with you and and related to you agrees. I'm not sure we have much of a problem here.
0: Hmm. Before I continue, I really like that fiddle leaf behind you. That's a gorgeous plant. I can (laughs) never get mine. No, it's it's grow.
1: totally fake. B, Ah, oh, uh, dude, uh, you had you me. Know, you, not, not, run, you should have just rolled with I'm it. Honest <laughs> it to your fault. Uh, I'm actually living in a place in Florida right now, and um, lovely place. I've never been a big fan of. I love plants and green spaces, just not inside. Huh. If you're gonna do it, let's have it real. These are actually fake, but this this house that I'm renting is lovely. Um, but my my coworker who's seen me, you know, says. Is that a fake fig tree you've got behind you? So <laughs> interesting thing about figs, did you know that a little wasp dies inside the fig every time it pollinates it? So some vegans will not eat figs because actually inside each fruit are the remnants of a dead wasp.
0: No way. I did not know that. There you go. Sleeping bugs. I like it. Um, <laughs> you talked a second ago about genetics. and we're actually going get to get to know you here in a second a little bit more. I want to learn a little bit more how you got it to where you are. But the idea that my parents' sleep patterns were cloned or replicated in me, I can still change that, though. Epigenetics tells me that I can change that pattern, or am I stuck with that?
1: I mean, I think I'm a believer. We're moving outside of my wheelhouse for sure. But I'm a believer that within genetics, there are ranges. And, mm-hmm. and studies would tell us that. Individuals who possess the ApoE gene for Alzheimer's if they are thoughtful and healthy sleepers can influence whether or not they ever develop that disease. So Hmm. I, I just, I think that within that genetics, there is some wiggle room, but I don't think that an individual who's sort of predisposed to be a six hour sleeper can just make herself an eight hour sleeper. And really, why would you want to? We're kind of stuck with our height. We're stuck with our crooked teeth. We're stuck with these things. We can change them a little bit, but it is it is what it is.
0: So what I hear you saying is that we should be focusing less on the quantity in terms of the number of hours, and more on the quality of the sleep, Absolutely. because that's really the point. One hundred percent. All
1: right,
0: let's get into that in a minute. But I want to know a little bit more about you. So is this um, hot seat. Yeah, this is hot seat. So tell me in sixty seconds what it is that you do. Well, who is Doctor Chris Winter?
1: Dr. Chris Winter is a neurologist and sleep specialist who spends his time helping adults and kids uh, understand their sleep and sleep better, occasionally writes books, occasionally helps some sports teams with their sleep, and occasionally does a podcast, enjoys being outside, enjoys time with his wife and two dogs
0: and kids when he can see them. You nailed your 30-second elevator pitch. And And that's why you're- In Florida right now because you're an advisor to some professional sports teams, right? Is that didn't I hear you say that? There's
1: three or four different reasons. One, a new empty nester. So we thought, let's get the hell out of the house because (laughs) every time I see something, I'm like, oh, that chair reminds me of my son. Oh, that reminds me of my daughter. So we like to go down here. And then I'm also really trying, we're focusing on my wife's career a little bit. She's got this really cool job down here in Florida that she's doing right now. And just want a little bit of a change of pace and yes spring training um and being working with baseball teams a lot of them have sports complexes down here including red Sox and fort myers and rays and port charlotte so being closer is a little bit helpful but i just needed an internet connection at an airport or at an airport to do my job
0: how did you become or get into the the career choice that you're doing where did how, where did this come from what were you doing before this did you go to school did you grow up saying hey i want to be a neurologist and a sleep expert how did no. you get to this space and time
1: uh, I think that I grew up wanting to be a doctor, not entirely sure why. Looking back, I think there was a lot of parental feedback. Both my parents were the first in their families to go to college. So I think when I was around my you know, grandparents and whatnot, if I said I was going to be a doctor, it was very exciting to them. And Ooh, candy and, you know, here's a dollar and some a Werther's original. <laughs> so there was a feedback loop that I think got established. But I you know, grew up in sort of a rural part of southwest Virginia went to the College at the University of Virginia wasn't I knew I wanted to be a doctor but outside of that knew nothing I knew they had stethoscopes and wore cool white coats and whatnot but <laughs> so I went to my biology advisor he gave me this book of people doing sleep research one of whom was this guy doing research on sleep and I thought well that sounds really cool and and so I started working with him and it was just all accidental he was a nice guy he was a mentor he introduced me to the right people and every time I had a chance to leave sleep and mow lawns or be a you know, waiter, or a, you know, a bartender, I thought, no, I want to keep staying in sleep, even though I never thought it would be a career until sort of the, the 11th hour, you know, right before I went and did my uh, finishing up my neurology residency, I got offers for jobs. But one was, hey, do you want to run a sleep center? i was like i haven't even done a sleep fellowship yet they said well we'll wait so i went off to the sleep fellowship and came back and started a sleep lab in my clinic and never looked back and have loved every minute of it it's a great field pick a sleep specialist if you need help i'll give you 20 of them to be on your show and they're all just lovely fun caring people it's a great community
0: and you're in charlotte is it charlotte charlotteville it's
1: Charlottesville, Charlottesville, yeah, which is the city in the middle of the state of Virginia, Commonwealth of mm-hmm. Virginia, where the University of Virginia is. That's where
0: and it. you actually have a brick and mortar building where you're you're I do. are doing your practice,
1: yeah. And prior to so COVID, people- we were seeing patients there. After with COVID, we became 100 percent virtual.
0: Ah, I see. Got it. What in 60 seconds is the direct impact you make on people's lives every day?
1: I think outside of exercise, nutrition and mental health, I'm not sure that anybody makes more of an impact than we do helping people not only understand their sleep, but really maximize it. So it can be an athlete that's already sleeping really well, but needs it to be that much better or an individual who is literally traumatized by their difficulties with sleep to the point where they fear and dread going to bed at night. So as a neurologist, sometimes the impact we make is difficult to measure. Hey, you've had a stroke. Hey, you've got Alzheimer's disease. There's not a lot we can do about it. But with sleep, we make meaningful impacts in people's lives every day, and I love it. It's, it's the best way to go to bed at night, no pun intended.
0: If you had to qualify, quantify your strength as, as a physician, as a doctor, as a sleep expert, as a human, what would you say your greatest strengths are?
1: I think my greatest strength is communication. Somebody said, Hey, I read your first book and I felt like I sat down and had a beer with a sleep doctor. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget that. Um, and that's exactly what I'm, I, I don't think I'm that intelligent of a person. So I always think about, I think Steve Kerr, he was the guy who played basketball with Michael George, who's now the, yeah, he's the coach yeah. for the, the, the uh, Gold Gold State. State. thank you. And, you know, I think sometimes the best athletes don't make great coaches. It's like, I think they just look around at everybody and think, why don't you just do this? It's so easy. Here, watch, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. There, you know, it's so easy. Why can't you do that? I think it's the the role players like Steve Kerr understand, I've got to have a deeper understanding of the situation to, to carry my weight because it doesn't come as natural to me as it does that person. I looked around my medical school class and thought, A mistake has been made because I probably should not be here. But, you know, I think one of my strengths are is somebody who may not understand it the first time you explain it to me. I've got to think about it in a certain way where it does make sense to me. So I think that for individuals trying to understand what's wrong with their sleep, I think I can communicate that in a way that does not involve a lab coat and a bow tie, if you know what I mean. So I curse Mm -hmm. sometimes. I can I can turn the Southwest Virginia accent on and off for sure when I'm when, <laughs> when I'm around my people. So I think communication would be my strength. What are your weaknesses? Um, what are my weaknesses? Um, probably quick to be frustrated. Certain mm. things, you know, like an insurance company frustrates me. It's kind of hard for me to get from under that. Um, I think I try to do way too much um so i mean these are i i I think constantly about my children speaking about me at my funeral and trying to measure that like he's a nice guy but god the guy was running around all the time dealing with all these sports teams and things he didn't have a whole lot of time for us so i I really look to that to make sure i'm not making that kind of mistake so I, i think everything interests me so it's hard to sort of say no and i'm not going to do your podcast because i got too much other stuff going on like i love talking about sleep so it's it's hard to kind of limit myself sometimes and when you're trying to get eight hours of sleep every night lots of people have that problem it's like i'll just do one more thing and i'll get seven hours of sleep that's not bad yeah but it's not eight and if you make a habit of that I mean, what are you doing to yourself over a long period of time
0: mm-hmm. oh, well i appreciate you saying yes to the podcast so thank you for being here oh
1: gosh yeah, what pleasure
0: what would people say at your funeral
1: well, the joke is I have no friends. My wife says she gets mad at me when I say that because um, I'll meet somebody like you. I'm like, you know what? If we lived in the same town, I think he could be my, my friend. You know, he could be the guy that's my friend because I like talking to him. And there's a guy who works for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I always say that when I get back. I'm like, that would be my friend if I lived in Oklahoma City. I like that guy so much. But anyway, um, I don't know. I think that they would say he was passionate I don't think I'm, discu- I'm curing cancer, but, you know, I, I feel a real drive to get my message out about how to get good sleep to as many people as possible. And I think that they might say that, well, he wasn't you know in the lab discovering all these great things. But I think he was pretty innovative about the way he got the message out and tried to reach as many people as possible. I think there's some really brilliant doctors out there. You just don't have the right microphone, you know, that you should be talking to a lot of people. You know, doctors are a prideful bunch of sons of bitches sometimes. And, you know, the the people who have the microphone sometimes shouldn't like you're not Um, you're not that great of a speaker. You're making an incredibly interesting topic, quite dull. So let's you know, you do your thing and we'll find the you know, whatever. I, I don't know. So I think that's what they would say is that he was really passionate and made sleep approachable and fun and hopefully
0: easier to understand. And candid and did not have a filter.
1: No, that, that is the conversation when my wife and I are driving back from events, like, <laughs> I can't believe you said that to that person. Like, oh, I don't <laughs> think they really minded. And yes, exactly. So it's guilty. Just like, guilty. We just had one. <laughs> I picked up on that. Oh, yeah, here's, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a good one. I was getting <laughs> fitted for a suit and we were in there and the woman said, what do you think about it? I said, I think when, when um, we move towards our Gideon-like state, this will be a really nice thing for me to wear as a commander. And my wife was <laughs> like, I can't believe you referenced Handmaid's Tale to this young attendant you had no idea. And she laughed. She said, you can't do that, man. She goes, some people think Handmaid's Tale is the blueprint for the way we should be moving into the future. So I just... I. I I can't help myself sometimes, but anyway, that's the kind of crap. She's like, you just just leave that in your head. That's her phrase. Like you should just (laughs) leave that in your head.
0: I applaud your candor. Thank you for it. What keeps you up at night?
1: Well, besides Handmaid's Tale, um, what keeps me up at night? Um, I mean, standard parent things. You concerned about your kids, although you know they're doing okay. I mean, a lot of the things that keep me up at night are not of particular interest probably to your audience. I I don't like the way things like medicine are changing. Like, so I worry about this dumb rule. Why do we have this rule? Or why is an insurance company no longer paying for this thing? And how can I make them understand that? So this mundane things like that, um, I think. I mean, generally, I sleep really well at night. sometimes when my travel schedule is really going to fly here and then while you're there you'll fly there and then there and back that gets to be a little bit overwhelming so I make sure I've got everything in order I don't leave and you know forget my slacks <laughs> you know get there and like have to do a talk in shorts <laughs> the worst about I did forget dress socks one time so I went barefoot in my dress shoes and didn't sit down the whole time because when you sat down your pant legs came up and <laughs> I thought that was kind of a weird look um, I did go out that night to a CVS and said, do y'all sell socks and they're like, no, we don't sell any socks whatsoever. I'm like, okay, well, it was worth a shot. That was the only thing that was open, but we survived. So little things like that, I guess, keep me up.
0: You and I should never travel together because of my recent trip to Mexico. I forgot to, a lot of outfits as well. And I'm literally buying clothes in the roadside <laughs> vendors. And <now> I'm like <laughs> some backwards little town. <laughs> and yeah, and everything is, is like, yeah, and it, yeah, exactly. And everything is like six sizes too small. Oh, also, true. trying to find a size for me. And, and yeah, like, I do not have that. Problem. Yeah. So, that was pretty fun. So, let's not travel together unless we have a woman packing for that's us or right, telling us what to pack. Right. All right. I want to jump into this sleep conversation a little bit. Um, thank you for the hot seat. I appreciate your honesty you on bet. that. Why Why is sleep so critical? What, what? What? What is sleep and why is it so critical to us? But yeah, I'd probably besides think about for the that. obvious, I know it's. Yeah.
1: It, no, I'd probably think about that in terms of. You know, why is water so critical? I mean, I think that we need to think of it in terms of air, water, food, sleep. It, it, these are the necessary ingredients to live. And while the depletion of those four different things will affect us in different ways and maybe over different time spans, they are all universally negative when we are losing one or many of those so i think sleep has become less of an endeavor a hobby a, 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 a pursuit and more of in terms of our thinking about it fundamental so i think that when you think about why is sleep important name an organ system name something that you know that you you deem being healthy i want a healthy heart i want Healthy mind. I don't want to have Alzheimer's disease like my 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 grandfather. Um, I want to be a, at a good weight. I don't want to be on medications for blood pressure and acid re- There's not many. Th- I want to look good. I mean, shit. We can be vain here. I want to look good and healthy and keep my hair and have you know relatively wrinkle-free skin and and fantastic sex drive and you know, whatever it is that you're into. Um, sleep is easily related to anything you could think of. In fact, to become kind of a fun game, if you had an audience, throw something out and I will give you some sort of re- piece of research that links quality sleep back to that thing. I mean, so I, I think that the better question might be what is not what's not the reason to sleep like what is it well i guess it doesn't affect toenail fungus or something like that i got terrible toenail fungus well i can't really relate sleep although sleep does relate to the immune system and maybe a healthier immune system might identify that fungus and rid yourself of it a little bit easier i have no idea so it's but it's very difficult so everything we do to be healthy if you care about your health and your performance you should care about sleep, not worry about it. I want you in the middle, like not worried and upset. And oh my God, I can't sleep. But I also don't want you to be Jenny trauma surgeon where you're like, mm, as long as I get an hour of sleep a night, I'm fine. Mm, I don't think that's true either. So I need you to worry a little bit more Jenny trauma surgeon and I need you to worry a little bit less insomnia person and find a little nice, happy place in the middle.
0: I'll play audience for a second. How does sleep or lack thereof affect my mental performance? Hmm. There's a question from one of our audience members. Great, great
1: question audience member. Millions of ways. Number one, the sleep healthy sleep is going to help you concentrate and focus on that question. So as you know, a, a man leaves New York traveling 364 miles an hour going west, like you, you've got to attend and concentrate on that problem for it to work. Number two, sleep is going to help you access memory better and we've all experienced it oh, God, what was that girl I dated in college that weird one that had all the different colored hats I can't gosh, I can't hear you go to bed you wake up the next morning Laura ah I remember that girl It just bright because your mind was thinking about that while you were sleeping so sleep is very important to memory all different kinds of memory Matt Walker did some great studies on that um, if, if people are interested so we're concentrating on questions better and we're mentally better focused we are accessing memory better. We problem solve better when we, when we sleep better. We make less errors. Remember in math, you do the big problem. You have the whole equation, work it all the way down to three plus negative one. And you wrote four instead of two. <laughs> oh, why did you do that? You just lost that little, that little. So we tend to make less errors cognitively and physically when we're sleeping better. Um, We tend to be more enthusiastic about things. So as you sit there and look at these 10 math problems you got to do for your homework, you're actually more motivated to actually want to do them. You have a better attitude about the whole different. So if you look at all the different things that are involved in cognitive performance, and if anybody's ever seen uh, neuropsychological testing, what they're doing is over three hours testing every little element. I imagine each one of
0: those things is
1: strengthened when we sleep better.
0: Uh, Another question, audience member, how does sleep affect men and women differently as it pertains to to sexual intimacy?
1: That's an interesting question. Um, There is there is some research that would say men and women might respond differently to intercourse and sex, meaning that um, there is some research about the chemical cascades that happen when we have sex, particularly with serotonin oxytocin uh, that gets released in our brain that for women it's a bit stimulating so you've just had some fantastic sex and now it's like you're you're excited and you're you're engaged and let's snuggle and talk about are we going to buy that lake house or not like i want to talk about it right now or what color we're going to paint the bedroom because this color has got to go versus men who after they have sex there is a much bigger sense of relaxation, so it's sort of like, oh, let's just maybe snuggle and go to sleep, or maybe he's already asleep before you can bring out the whole, bring up the whole lake house thing. So I, I think that there are some differences sometimes in terms of the chemical cascade, maybe that happens with sex. Um, there's no, there's no judgment there, right or wrong. It's just that it might create you know, sedation in, 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 in one and more activation in another. And we just have to respect that in our partners and, and, and maybe say, look, I'd love to talk about that lake house right now, but sweetheart, you just blew me away. And so I got to sleep for about 30 minutes here to shake off that little little session we just had. And then let's talk about the lake house.
0: Make sure you drop the compliments before you You bet, fall. you bet. Yeah.
1: I uh, can't wait to do what we just did in this new <laughs> lake house.
0: I'll give see me two you, hours. I'll give
1: you two hours. I'll see
0: you in two hours. <laughs> we'll Let's talk about day. that for a second. Naps. So I, I, what? Why are naps important, or are they not? I, I've seen so much different data points on this that you should nap throughout the day. That you should nap throughout the day. I don't. I, I don't. I'm not really a napper, um, but I've been actually trying it recently. Yeah. Uh, even if it's just like 20 minutes, just guys. W- what are the What are the benefits, or or what are your thoughts on napping?
1: So I, I, I think napping can be fantastic. It can be a great way to sort of supplement sleep. There was a really interesting study that came out a few years ago that said basically people who average you know seven or eight hours of sleep every night compared to people who actually get a perfect seven or eight hours of sleep every night live, live the same. Their mortality is the same. So in other words, if you got six hours tonight, but got eight hours tomorrow and took a two hour nap you've averaged eight hours over those two days so maybe instead of thinking about getting seven or eight hours of sleep every night it should be 49 to 56 hours per week because they said within a short period of time like a seven day period you can probably make up for a sleep debt so i always like that because the idea that we're going to have a perfect night of sleep every night from this point forward is kind of ridiculous we're going to skip lunch from time to time we'll have some you know, whatever. So I like the idea that, hey, if you have Tuesdays rough for whatever reason, get called into the office, you have a fight with your partner or whatever, you've got the next six or seven days to make up for it. And a good way to do that might be napping. So I think that and if we schedule our naps and try to do them at the same time and have limits on them, I think they're great. I think where napping becomes problematic is the individual who's going to bed you know for whatever reason, a lot of stress lately, and it's been taking them a long time to fall asleep. So wow, last night, Doctor, I didn't fall asleep till 4 a.m. Okay, what happened? Well, I had to get up and go to work. When I got home from work, I took a four-hour nap. Okay, what happened next? Well, I went to bed at 11 o'clock. It took me a while to fall asleep again, and it happened again. So the napping sometimes lets us off the hook a little bit. I just did a social media post when I was up in Annapolis and said, you can say what you want to about the military. Everybody has different feelings about different things. But one of the things that I love about the military is their schedule. It's the same every day. You have a great night of sleep, you're up at 5.30 running around the track and doing pushups. If you slept terribly, it's, it's the same. It doesn't matter. So what's nice about that is your brain gets the impression very quickly, I need to utilize the time I'm given to sleep because this will be the only time that I get. So for some people, insomnia happens. You have a difficult night of sleep. What makes it malignant or chronic is the napping the sleeping in this you know not going to school until lunchtime because you had to sleep until two o'clock in the afternoon i don't have a problem doing it but most people want predictability when it comes to their sleep they don't want to be sleeping all over the 24-hour map there so napping can sometimes take an isolated difficult night and make it into a much more chronic problem which is why i always say retirement is the worst thing for your sleep (laughs)
0: I watch smoke all
1: night long and sleep until three o'clock, and I can't fall asleep. You know.
0: Real quickly, is there a a point of no return when it comes to naps? Like it should be limited to a certain amount of time? Is that is there a, a I mean, time that you Most people recommend?
1: would say 20, 15 to twenty five minutes, somewhere in there. Keeps you in that lighter stage of sleep without, like you said, entering into sort of a deeper stage of sleep. The other thing that you can do, if you find Mm -hmm. we we call it sleep inertia, so you take your nap and you wake up after your nap ten times sleepier than you were before you lay down to take the nap. The other thing that you can do is really schedule it. And I would say this not only to adults but parents. Got a kid who wants to take two naps, little you know, one year old or whatever. Great. Nap number one is from ten to eleven. Nap number two is from three to four. No matter what happens it ends at 11 and it ends at four well yeah but we put him down at 10 o'clock and he shakes the crib until 10 45 and then he falls asleep you want me to wake him up at 11 yeah i do nicely you know not it's not punitive it's like okay you had an hour you spent 45 minutes of it shaking your back and play which is great i'm glad you did it good exercise good spatial you know but this is the end of your nap time and so now What that's creating in that child is a sense of, I'm not necessarily in control here. My parent is. If a parent wants that, if a parent says, look, we like it when our children sleep whenever they want to, I'm not here to tell you how to parent your child, but I don't get a lot of parents who come to my clinic who say, my kids are taking these perfect two-hour naps every day. Is there any way we can get them sleeping whenever they want to? <laughs> That's not generally what we're looking for.
0: And another benefit of that is what you just referenced a minute ago in terms of the military, have a set patterns in place, habits. Yes. To falling asleep. So establishing those habits, those patterns for, for not only as adults, but children that they know that at 10 o'clock. But it subconsciously is what I heard you say. It's training your body to sort of know that this is the time that my body lays down and shuts down. We
1: do that Uh at night. We do that with meals. I mean, if you sit there and you're know typically lunch at noon and 1145, your stomach's grumbling, growling, it's not because your body needs food. It's because your body expects food. Understood. And and I've got a son at Navy, and and he said one time, my guy, he said everything about my body is just so scheduled right now. I won't get into that, but that is because there is no flexibility. And you know, as a neurologist, say all the time, brains love a schedule. There's nothing our bodies do accidentally. Oh, we accidentally had a heartbeat, or we accidentally had a menses. No, everything's on a schedule. So the more we can sort of program our life to be scheduled, the better. In fact. Mothers who are on a schedule while they're pregnant tend to have children who sleep better because they, they're aware, you know, they're inside mom's lovely little womb and every day she's at a Zumba class and she's moving around and then sometimes she's sitting quietly watching her TV show and having lunch. And when you do those types of things, it kind of sets the stage for better sleep.
0: So that application would work beneficial for, for, for adults. Oh, Absolutely. As well, yeah. like establishing a, a, establishing a go-to-bed routine, whether it's 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, just get your body used to the fact that I'm training you that now is shutdown time. Yeah,
1: and we call those sight gibbers, time cues. So mm. what is your schedule mm. at nine? This is something we talk to our patients all the time, and we can go through the entire 24-hour period, but what is the evening schedule? When do you have dinner? I don't know. It's usually something between 4 and 10, depending mm. on the kid's soccer practice. Well, that's not yeah. great you know, is there any way we could solidify it a little bit, even if you have to take your lunch with you to the practice field? I mean, some people can't, and that's okay. But we want to go through all these things. Okay, after dinner, what do you do? Well, I usually, you know, that's when I really get the majority of my work done. Can we do it earlier than that? Do you have the capacity to do that? Or that's when I really start my triathlon training right after dinner. Oof, let's, well, there's going to be some consequence there maybe in terms of when you go to bed. So evaluating these things and trying to get that individual, just like the kid. Okay, the kid eats dinner, then we give them a little bath and we read stories and we scratch their back and we dim the lights and we have twinkle stars on the ceiling. And, you know, we, we lose that as adults, but it's really nice to have it. You have dinner and you dim some lights, turn your temperature and your thermostat from 76 maybe down to 72 or below, get the bedroom a little bit cooler, a little bit darker, you know, instead of watching Rachel Maddow, maybe tape it, Watch her first thing in the morning because she upsets you, Grandma. Every time you're, you know, that woman, she's got, you know, okay, well, great. Don't watch her. You know, you like what she has to say, but it does upset you because, you know, you feel like she's right and she's onto something here. So save that for the morning when you're trying to wake up. Let's watch something that's kind of peaceful and mindless. How about The Bachelorette? Lovely show right before you go to bed because nobody's too concerned about what's happening on there. Um, but if it, if you are, and it does upset you that she's choosing him over that other guy, choose something else, but you're even reading a book. So just trying to create a movement from dinner time, nice hot bath or hot shower, lavender bath salts, dim lights in the bathroom, leading towards a relaxing, you know, entrance into your lovely bedroom that's sleep promoting and makes you feel relaxed and happy.
0: So in essence, establishing a routine. Absolutely. Back back to the TV part, because I've always read and seen and heard that you shouldn't turn on your TV. You shouldn't look at your phone at least two hours before you close your eyes. Is, is that a myth or is that a reality?
1: I would say it is a reality scientifically. I would say it's a myth practically, meaning that I've never really understood what people are supposed to do from if you go to bed at 11 o'clock from 9 to 11 if tv and media is not involved now if somebody says to me chris i'll do whatever you want i'd be like great read catcher in the rye (laughs) interesting book but it's not gonna like blow you away and get y'all fired up and do that in the two hours before you go to bed great i don't think a lot of people are going to really want to do that i'm not doing that so to me it's more about, sure, watch your television show. Make sure it's not upsetting you or stressful. Make sure it's on a TV on the wall on the other side of a relatively dark and cool you know living room and not a phone or a laptop immediately in your face as you lie in bed. Like So I think there's ways we can have our Better Call Saul, House of the Dragon, whatever you're really interested in watching at this point in your life, and also be okay with our sleep. I mean, I watch TV turn it off, go to bed, no problem. If you're somebody who does that, great. Would my sleep be measurably better if I didn't and sort of sat in a dark room for two hours without any technology in my face before I went to bed? It might be. That's not a sacrifice I'm willing to make currently. But if you are, you're a triathlete and you're like, I've got to get my performance even a little bit better. What could I do to make my sleep fractionally better and eh, maybe turning off all electronics two hours before you went to bed might do it. I've got people who'll do it. <laughs> They're like, done. You know, great. So I just, as a doctor, we're always weighing the practical and the expected benefit from what we're asking. It's like a CPAP. You want me mm. to wear a leaf blower on my face every night for the rest of my life? You want me to wear these plastic lenses balanced on my nose and my ear every day for the rest of my life? What do I get out of that? the ability to see your kids and drive a car okay so so you know that you do want me to eliminate tv in the two hours before i go to bed every night what do i get out of that that might be a difficult metric to measure
0: so there's a bit subjectivity to it
1: i think so again i don't yeah. question that science i just question it's like when i work with teams and i'm like hey your team would be best if you flew in Played your game in LA and left immediately after the game. That's going to put you in a better circadian position to win the next game. The team will often say, We hear you, but our teams will literally go nuts if we don't let them stay overnight in LA and go out after the game. Okay. Well, so what you're saying is they're going to kill the sleep doctor if you leave after the game immediately and be angry and upset. That might impact their play the next day, too, because they're like, Where's that little sleep doctor? We'll kill him. We're going to hijack that guy and stick him in a trunk of a car and nobody will ever find him again because we're so mad because we love going out in LA after the after the game there's probably benefit there too so we've always got to balance these practical aspects of it with the science I think
0: so the key takeaway again from that which what I just heard you say is is regardless of what it is you're doing have some sort of pattern to it so there's some consistency yes. to it
1: absolutely and it's interesting because another sleep research God, I'm kind of blanking on who told me this did you not sleep well last night? Uh, yeah, really. Maybe so. My memory will come back. I, <laughs> I feel like it was like Kathy Goldstein at Michigan or something uh, that, I, that, that she said something like she had a she had a patient who drank coffee when she went when went to bed at night or something like that, which is not great having the caffeine, but she did it every night as part of her routine, and Kathy made this great point that But that's part of the routine now. So maybe it's not, the caffeine may be problematic in some way, but her body, I'm sure, when she's sipping that latte, and it didn't have that much caffeine, it probably a little espresso just shot through there very quickly. But that warm liquid, as she sat down and watched her television show or read her book, was a cue to her brain, sleep's coming. So to your point, Mm -hmm. which is a very important one you just made, anything can create that schedule. It doesn't have to be the lavender spray and the this and the that. It can be I call my grandmother and say goodnight to her. I do the wordle, which is electronics right in your face. But, you know, it's a small amount of light, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got this little massage thing. I put my feet in. Like it can be whatever you want. Just create that ritual, create that ritual every night
0: establishing that connection so that your body knows interesting
1: road signs on the way to disney world disney world 12 miles disney world eight miles like you're you know it's Mm -hmm. coming let's get over in the left lane because it's a left exit like you know we're ready to go here versus oh geez was that the disney exit god i had no idea it was even coming like ah turn around like body likes Mm -hmm. to be warned when things are coming like that
0: the, that's all good information. I appreciate you sharing that piece. As it pertains to sleep in of itself, and I don't have a, a sleep habit whatsoever. So I, I'm I'm actually going to test this theory out and I'll report back in. Um, I don't watch a lot of TV, but I do like to read before bed. So that's sort of, I guess, my one consistent thing that I do is I, I journal and I read before bed. I sort of get ready for my day the next morning and I, I read and then I just sort of, I started listening to subliminal messaging lately. Um, I don't know if that has any impact or not that's a different conversation like, uh, you,
1: to me all of those things are great the question i always ask people is are you doing it to enhance sleep or is it a dependence so you do travel you go off to the you know, west coast or whatever and you you leave your uh phone somewhere and you can't get access to that subliminal messaging is it like oh i don't care i've just been doing that to try to like make things a little bit better or is it oh god i'm not gonna be able to sleep so i think anything noise machine mask you know light thing whatever pill you know I take magnesium to help me sleep it should always be a supplement I don't need it but I'd do it because I think it might make things a little bit better versus oh I can't sleep without my magnesium pill that's that uh, I like those that. those are point. the mindset changes we want to make sure we're not falling into oh my kid cannot sleep without a nightlight
0: I, I, I pre- to- appreciate that not a conditional um we're running out of time so i have several questions so i'm going to ask if we can try to jump through these because there's some really ones that that are really important to me sorry i didn't mean to cut you short i can talk for three hours so what are some of the underlying causes of sleep deprivation we're going to try to fly through these because there's i have about 10 questions i really want to get um so let's let's, yeah i would say
1: work school electronics just mindless stuff on phones i think those would be the three biggest ones when you look at kids i think nothing creates sleep deprivation like school and electronics for for adults it's probably work and family I mean it's sort of like I work really hard during the day I come home I make dinner I get my kids off and all their activities and finally at 11 o'clock it's done the kitchen's clean I could go to bed or I could have a little bit of time to myself to read or watch a mindless TV show so I just think that we're in a situation right now where sleep deprivation is very common but it's usually related to Lifestyle, and not every one of those things is easily solved. Mm-hmm. And I've had patients tell me, "I hear what you're saying, but I've got to work these two jobs to pay my mortgage." So, are you going to pay my mortgage? And I say no, and they're like, "Okay, well, I'm going to keep on working two jobs and driving an Uber in between and being sleep deprived because I have no other choice."
0: Let's talk about snoring because I I, um, I had a father who snored like a bear, like really? loud, and and I know occasionally I've been told um, that I have brief bouts of snoring here and there. What is snoring? And what's the impact that's having on our lives?
1: Snoring is a unstable as it,
0: sleep as it snoring. pertains to our health.
1: Snoring isn't.
0: An- yeah. So sorry, okay. there's like a slight drag. I don't mean, I'm not. Interrupting there is, you, and that's why drag.
1: It stopped. And I thought you would stop. Yeah.
0: that. So the question I guess is, uh, let me reframe it. What is snoring and what's the impact that has on our lives, our sleep and just overall health in general?
1: So snoring is the sound that an unstable airway makes. It's a vibration. Um, And that can be trivial, meaning that air is moving freely. The perfect perfect person is sleeping just fine, but it is making a noise as it happens. Two, the airway is so unstable that your airway is closing off and you are having trouble breathing, necessitating that you actually wake up, interrupt sleep to catch your breath. That's sleep apnea. So specifically snoring... Is not as impactful on people's sleep, although you can find studies that show that even just simple snoring can impair sleep metrics and health to some degree. But what we really get fired up about is snoring. I would or it's sleep apnea. I would say snoring probably has a bigger impact on partners than maybe it does on the individual. Um, so then the question becomes, okay, well, let's take a look at somebody's sleep during like a sleep study and you can easily figure out, no, you just make a little bit of a sound during the night, but your sleep looks very healthy. Or, uh, this is really crossed a line where this snoring or this breathing disturbance is actually impacting the quality of sleep that you're getting. And probably the best way for people to figure that out is, is there accompanying sleepiness? Hmm. You know, I'm really struggling to stay awake during these meetings we have every day at lunch.
0: How are you weird. testing that virtually? Testing what virtually? Snoring. You said you were. You, oh. You would test someone throughout. I thought I heard you say.
1: Yeah. So we, um, our clinic is virtual. We still do home sleep studies and in lab sleep studies. So those that that snoring generally is appropriately tested by a home sleep study. Got it. If somebody comes in and says I snore, my wife thinks I stop breathing. I'm a little bit concerned about it. That general that generally is going to result in a home sleep study. I think an in lab sleep study is a bit overkill.
0: Hmm. What What's the connection between our diets and our sleep? And are, and are there ways you've seen or and especially since you're working with you know high top quality athletes? their diets, what they eat, what they consume, how does that impact our sleep? And and is there a a one-size-shoe-fits-all or is the same thing as subjective across the board for everyone?
1: I mean, I think there's certain rules. I mean, I I don't think caffeine or alcohol or spicy foods right before you go to bed is helping anyone, um, unless Mm -hmm. you're a night shift nurse trying to stay awake all night and take care of people who need your help. Um, You know, I, I think that giving thought to our food makes a lot of sense and you can get down to a very detailed level um because there are certain food I mean when you look at the chemical cascade that produces sleep those chemicals are coming from certain places so supporting them with our diet becomes very important it's, it's arguable if you're eating a very well balanced diet and you're a pretty nutritious person are you getting anything more by supplementing certain things probably not but it certainly doesn't help and if somebody says look I've really been boosting my protein in the morning and carbs right before I go to bed and kind of changing that around I'm sleeping a whole lot better I I think that's fantastic so you know uh, tart cherries things with high glycemic indices uh things with a lot of tryptophan uh, can really you know boost somebody's ability to sleep at night so you know, hummus and chips is a great thing when you're traveling to get to eat when you go to bed at night versus I'm going to order room service and get some spicy chicken wings. So I think being thoughtful about the way we eat and also the amount and timing of our eating can have a big impact on our sleep. It just, these are sometimes hard things to kind of measure, but um, I think as individuals kind of trial and error, these things, they can find the things that work best for them, but there are some general rules that do apply to everyone.
0: Is there an optimal number of amount of time between your last meal and prior to going to sleep that you should be considering considering as you
1: would always say at least you know two hours maybe even up to six with the caveat that if somebody says look I'm getting ready to go to bed but I'm hungry Mm -hmm. I would eat something and now we can be thoughtful about what you eat but I think trying to go to bed feeling a little hungry is not a great feeling so I always tell our athletes look If you're, don't go to bed hungry. If you had dinner and you're getting ready to go to bed and you're like, oh, I'm just a little bit, need something, you know, some salmon jerky, some tart cherries on yogurt and granola, um, uh, you know, hummus and chips. Like there's all kinds of things that you can do that wouldn't work against your ability to sleep right when you go to bed. You know, things that don't cause indigestion and heartburn, spicy foods aren't great. You know, save those for the morning when you're trying to wake up and get activated.
0: I never thought about salmon jerky before. I've never even seen that.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Salmon's got a lot of good things that are sleep promoting. And I, I started using it with a lot of my athletes because one team just happened to have it. And I was like, "Here, where this do you get it? Cute. I have no idea. I mean, I've seen it at Whole Foods. You can buy really? like these really? like bison, venison, uh-huh. chicken, and one's got a fish on it. salmon. It's like a strip of Dehydrate, it's delicious. You just got to brush your teeth because it's rough on your breath. Like <laughs> the sex comments we were having earlier, they're not <laughs> happening if you're doing a lot of salmon jerky before you go to bed at night. Everything
0: goes <laughs> with <was> salmon jerky. <laughs> That's right. It's, just brush your teeth. What about sleep environment? Is there some optimal conditions that we should be looking for whether as it pertains to temperature, yeah. smells, light, gradients, curtains, blackout curtains? Are there some Are there some key metrics that you can share with us that we should be optimizing our sleep environment?
1: Yeah, i would say dark quiet cool um you know dark as possible obviously quiet as possible and if you can't do that i mean i think that's where you know noise machines can be really helpful you know trying to drown out traffic noise or the noise of the people in your apartment that stay up later than you do and talk or whatever so those noise machines can opt sort of optimize the sound environment sometimes um cool 65 67 degrees is probably best you don't but don't be cold if you're saying look i'm trying 67 and even with some blankets on me i just feel like i'm shivering all night long that's probably too cold for you um, but generally we do sleep better in a cooler environment you know yeah it smells we're kind of hitting all the senses here lavender spray some studies have shown it kind of helps support people sleep a little bit but just to me it's a pleasant smell and if you use lavender spray or something like that the benefit of that is When you go to the hotel or you go to your friend's place to stay or your reunion weekend at your college and you're someplace, you can bring the little bottle and spray it in your room. And so now it kind of fools your brain into thinking that you're home. Um, there's some stuffed animals that have lavender in them too. That kind of serve the same purpose for kids. You just heat them up in a microwave for a second, and it's warm and it smells good. It kind of gets that kid sort of secure, feeling like, oh, I'm I'm at home because we tie smells most strongly to memory in our brain. So, those are the things that I think people like. I mean, create a bedroom environment that's clean and neat. I always tell people make your bed every day. And if paperwork and laundry is accumulating in your house like it does mine, that's fine just have it accumulate somewhere that's not your bedroom, the kitchen table, a spare bedroom, the living room floor, you know, whatever. It's it's nice when you walk into a bedroom that looks like, you know, the Marriott, you know, whatever the Ritz, when you walk in, it's just perfect. The bed's made and it's neat. It's just, just a nice sort of way for your mind to kind of wind down and not be stressed by, Oh God, there was all that paperwork that I haven't filled out for the insurance thing I need to do. Like,
0: Forget that. Have that somewhere else. I've always read that, the same of, the, of your bedroom in, in terms of your bedroom is for your sleep and, and it shouldn't be involved with television and You shouldn't be eating in your room. There should be like completely distraction free. This should be sort of a safe haven. You agree with that?
1: I do, especially if you're somebody who struggles with your sleep. I, I think that trying to create that sort of how do you feel when you walk into Starbucks? How do you feel when you walk into your dentist's office? how do you feel when you drop your kids off with your ex like every little situation we have we bring our unique feelings to it because maybe that dentist when he walks into his own office has a completely different feeling than you do when you walk into his office which is oh god i hate being in the dentist or i fear, feared i dread i'm already sweating or, or whatever so we want that feeling that we have when we come into our bedroom to be a real positive Mm -hmm. of optimism and excitement i'm excited to go to bed and get into that comfortable bed with those sheets that i like and that picture that i picked out on that trip on the wall and the person i love beside me like we want it to be a positive if it's not it's a good idea to start thinking about ways to make it more so
0: your superpower is obviously in neurology and sleep so if you had to offer my listeners and anyone else as your superpower takeaway what are five things that we can all do right now tonight to have a better more optimal sleep
1: that's good number one exercise if you're not doing you have to like to me i just and it's not about how you look it's really about how you feel and how you sleep and if you're like look okay i'll exercise when you want me to do it first thing in the morning if you can i think starting your day off with some kind of exercise does not have to be big time it could literally be jog down into the the cul-de-sac and back twice it takes you 12 minutes you're done you don't have to kill yourself just starting your day off outside movement getting your body warm exercising listening to a podcast like this one that you like couldn't be better for your sleep number two um, i think that what you were talking about is paying attention to your schedule and i think focusing more on your wake-up time and less on your bedtime the better i think that's really important Number
0: three, rejoice. Wait, can you go back? Can you go back to number two? I don't really, quit. Yeah. I don't think I quite followed that.
1: So, meaning, I, most people come in and they're like, you know, I really try to be in bed by 11 o'clock. Okay, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Are, are you sleepy at 11 o'clock? Well, not always. So, I always tell people if you're, if, if 11 o'clock's your bedtime and it's 11 o'clock and you don't feel sleepy, you don't feel like you'll be successful if you get into bed, stay up. It's fine. But on the other side, if you're not hungry at noon, I wouldn't drive 20 minutes to your favorite restaurant just to tell them I'm not hungry. That doesn't make any sense. So on the other end, you still get up
0: on So the flip. So, okay, sorry, there's like a, there's a breakup here. So the flip of that doctor is not focusing on what time I go to bed, but more importantly, being habitual about the time that I wake up and consistent about that.
1: Yeah, that's right. So I always tell bed people, bedtime's not when you go to bed, it's the earliest you're allowed to try.
0: Mm-hmm. And incidentally, I would imagine if you're establishing a 5 a.m. wake up time, which is what I try to do for me, that's going to sort of reverse engineer what time you go to sleep because you're going to start starting to feel that over time. Like right. if I'm going to bed at three o'clock in the morning because I'm just not tired, waking up two hours later, I'm going to be fucked for the day. So I'm going to start that's my body right. will start telling me that.
1: And, and I would say you're going to be a little bit less than fucked for the day, but you will not feel great. And your mm-hmm. body is going to tell you at two in the afternoon, you know what? Why don't you yeah. go stretch out and take a nap? And you're going to say no, because you actually had the opportunity to sleep, but you decided not to. So that's fine. But we're going to stick with the plan right now because eventually what your brain's going to decide is, oh, it is not in our best interest to go to bed at 10 and be up till three. Right. We're going to go to bed at 10 and fall asleep at 10.
0: All right. So hook here okay. okay. yeah, that was one and two. What are your th- what do you have three remaining?
1: Yeah, I think number three is um understanding that it's not just the evening routine that really makes a difference in terms of our sleep schedule so really thinking about 24 hours are you somebody who exercises every morning walk the dog in the afternoon every day are your meal times consistent are your weekends pretty similar to your weekdays so it's very important to focus on the evening but looking at a 24-hour period can be really helpful as well too so that's number three Number four is so routine
0: consistency habits.
1: Yep. Correct. Yep. Number four, I think sleep problems take on a degree of urgency when there is attached to them, a degree of excessive sleepiness, not fatigue, not tired, excessive inability to stay awake. Five years ago, I was fine. I am nodding off when I put a video on for my children as their teacher I will sometimes fall asleep during that video while the kids are watching the video. I've never done that before. Or I keep falling asleep in church or I'm nodding off at stoplights. We have this weird thing in our country that people who fall asleep easily and quickly are great sleepers and people who struggle to fall asleep are bad sleepers. I'm actually more worried about the people who struggle to stay awake. Why? Why did you fall asleep at a stoplight? That's concerning to me. That might be a sign that there is something wrong with your sleep, either in terms of its quantity or quality. So paying attention to excessive sleepiness and not viewing that as some sort of superpower. Oh, I'm a terrible sleeper. I wish I could be more like my husband, Harold. He's asleep before his butt hits the couch or his head hits the pillow every time. Okay, well, what's going on with Harold that he's so driven to sleep? You know, so paying attention to that. The fifth thing is, I think the most important thing for people who struggle to sleep, as soon as you can become equally as comfortable in bed asleep as you are awake, your insomnia will probably disappear, meaning that insomnia only works if you fear it. If you said to me, Chris, I've got good intelligence that says you're going to get in bed tonight. It's going to take you two hours to fall asleep. I'm like, great. That's fine with me. I got all kinds of things I want to think about. So I actually like being in bed awake. I'm not even neutral about it. I feel sort of gypped or or cheated if, if I go to bed and instantly fall asleep. Like I kind of like some time to sit there and think about the day. And Oh, I wish I had said this cool thing on the podcast. How did I forget to talk about that? Like I like a little time to kind of reevaluate some things. So waking up in the middle of the night or taking some time to fall asleep doesn't evoke any emotion in me really that's negative, you know, so. That's the only way insomnia really works for people is if they get in bed, their desk, they want to go to sleep in five to 15 minutes like their partner. And now it's been 30 minutes and they're awake. How do you feel about that situation? When you can get to a place where you're kind of like, huh, oh, it's fine. Sleep will come eventually. Kind of like the way I feel about missing lunch. I didn't have breakfast today. <laughs> okay. I'm not worried about it. I'll just have a bigger lunch, maybe a bigger dinner, move on with my life. Like I wish I had had it, but whatever. When you can get to that place the insomnia kind of loses its teeth it's like a kid who believes there's a monster under his bed like until you understand that there isn't one it's kind of hard to get out from under that situation sometimes
0: so i think what i'm hearing you say just in a few words or less is establish patterns of intimacy with your bedroom and comfort with your bedroom so the space that that space that you have that relationship you have with your room your bedroom your bed it's not only just set up for this is where I where I fall asleep. It's where Absolutely. I can also meditate or I yeah. can and, and hang and out and And resting is
1: beneficial, very beneficial. Mm-hmm. So when I'm sitting there waiting to fall asleep with my eyes closed and thinking about what to get my wife for anniversary, this is not wasted time. I hate the advice. If you haven't mm. fallen asleep in 15 minutes, get up and go do something. Well, if you want to, or if you're upset about the situation. But if you're... I don't know i'm lying in bed it's been 15 minutes i haven't fallen asleep yet if you're comfortable with that situation i'd stay right there because you're benefiting your body tremendously by just resting that's why i named my second book the rested Hmm. child and not the slept child because we make people feel like they're failing if they've gotten in bed they don't fall asleep right away i don't think so
0: Great segue. So this has been a great conversation on this. Um, how can people find you, and where would you prefer them to visit you? Instagram, Facebook, websites. What's the best way to get right, in touch Instagram
1: with you? and Twitter? I'm I'm Dr. Chris Winter, so Doctor Chris Winner on both. Um, I'm on TikTok, but you're gonna be sorely disappointed if you check that out. <laughs> um, I have two books: The Sleep Solution, Why Your Sleep's Broken and How to Fix It, as well as The Rested Child, Why You're Tired, Wired, Your, Irritable Child, May Have a Sleep Disorder, and How to Help. And I do a weekly podcast, thirty some odd minutes. On some topic related to sleep it comes out every monday and the first monday of every month is usually a topic about insomnia so it's called sleep unplugged i think that's it
0: and they can find that on spotify apple everywhere um i I mentioned at the outset of the call i just ordered sleep solutions so i'm going to start going into that one and diving into that um
1: super keep a a list of of questions and if you have questions we can we can do this again
0: I would love to. Um, Dr. Chris, I really appreciate you coming on. It's been a good conversation. You've opened up my eyes. A couple of things, if I may just recap some of the big things I was writing down. Sure. Um, sleep is about the quality of it, not necessarily the quantity of it. It's about yeah. optimizing, right? Yes. Um, air, water, food, and sleep are sort of the critical elements of, of our health, necessary ingredients for life, you said. Um, sleep impacts everything. So if your quality of sleep is 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 degenerating or poor quality, then that has a cascade effect on literally everything from your sex life to your brain life, to how you function, to literally everything. Um, the best way to sort of start developing good sleep habits is scheduling your sleep and developing some sort of habits and routine around that so that your body is trained in essence to sort of know that this is what happens yeah. when you lay down, when you pick up the book, when you spray your lavender, when you put on your night goggles, whatever that routine is, right? That's right. Um, you should use, and this was one, I may mess this one up a little bit, but your sleep habits and the way you view sleep and your mentality around it should be not a conditional relationship and more of a supplement relationship. So the things that you're doing to help you sleep better, those should not be conditional habits. Like I can only fall asleep if I spray lavender three times over my head and then throw a pillar of salt. I get, That's right. those should just be, okay, Absolutely. good. So I got that right. Okay, cool. Um, in terms of your environment, dark, quiet. It cool, those are sort of your three your three paradigms that you said we should establish. Yep. And that varies for everybody, right? Those that temperatures, that darkness, whatever it is that might be that's a sub, those are subjective measures, correct? Yes. Okay, great. Um, I think that was it. Was there anything that I missed? I
1: don't think so. Just I, right. I think you said, but just pay attention to sleepiness. Um, you know, especially if you're a parent or you know, the spouse, don't be fooled into thinking the kid who falls asleep fast or the Spouse who falls asleep fast is necessarily a good sleeper. Like, don't be afraid to question that a little bit. Like, why are you always so sleepy? Every time you sit down, you go right to sleep. That could be a, a little bit of a red flag.
0: When you when you first said that, I was thinking about that movie with um, I think his last name is Snyder. Deuce bigelow Mel. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> He's dead. he has that one <laughs> He just falls asleep in the soup every time. Right, that's right. It's not how you should measure your sleep that's efficacy. That's exactly
1: right. It's not a joke. That's
0: right. <laughs> what's his What's his name? Snyder's his last name. What's his first name? Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider, yeah. Yep. He yeah. used to do all the Adam Sandler movies. That's right. right. Yeah, okay, he Cool. David Spade, Rob Schneider with that yeah, one. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Doctor, I really appreciate your time. Uh, it's been a good conversation. Thank you for sharing all your insights. Enjoy Florida. I'm glad you're down there, getting some time away with your wife, and I would like to have a a recap um, after I finish reading your books.
1: Sounds good, man. We'll do it.
0: Awesome. Thanks a lot. Have a wonderful day and we'll see you around. Sounds good.
1: Take care.